Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of Two Man Advantage, the Monday morning edition as we wade into the Stanley Cup final, game one, in the books, lots of other stuff going on. And I know Jeff Domet, our, our producer, we talk all the time and we say it's really important to get the week off to a good start, really get need to get a dynamic guest, just wish that we had one, but in failing that... So pleased to introduce Elliot Friedman, a national treasure. It's actually it's actually written down on my screen here, Elliot. It's a true story. National treasure, Gemini Award winner, hockey luminary. No, oh how God. are you doing? Stop! That's ridiculous. <laughs> Elliot, so good of you to join us. How how are you doing this morning? I, and I know you are like me in some ways that. Your distance from the Edmonton bubble. You're in Toronto doing studio work uh, every day. Uh, how are you doing? How how are you feeling about uh, about things as we lurch into the middle of September? You know, I think like we're healthy. That's the most important thing, right? Um, yeah. You know, that's uh, you know that's kind of like the way I look at it. As long as you have your health, I mean, everything else is kind of secondary right now. Um, you know, I've loved being back at work. Uh, I've really enjoyed, I kind of wish I was in the bubble in Edmonton a little bit, um, just to, you know, being at the Stanley cup final is one of the true, uh, joys of the job. Right. And, you know, this is, you know, some of the playoffs and then we'd be heading towards the NHL awards and the draft. And it's kind of one of my most fun times of the year. And then, you know, you're going to have your summer to kind of relax with your family. So, um, for me, like this is uh, an exciting time and I kind of miss that a bit, but it's a small price to pay to keep everybody healthy. And, uh, I'm probably like most other people, Scott, I'm, I'm amazed at how well this has worked in terms of health and safety. I think the product's been pretty good. Um, you know, I really, like Scott, like, and then there's comes the unknown. Like, you know, yeah. we don't we don't know how long it's going to be until we have the NHL or other sports back again. Um, you know, I think the commissioner said it right. I think everybody is kind of guessing. Yeah. And um, you know, who knows when we'll be back doing this again? So, I think there's a lot of conflicting emotions that go kind of through you right now. Yeah, I wonder. Like, I don't know. Way different dynamic, but I think back to. Um, you know, oh three, oh four, World Cup of Hockey in Toronto, and you know what? You know, it was sort of an up and down tournament, but the I thought the playoffs of that oh uh, four World Cup of Hockey were dynamic. You know, Roberto Longo was outstanding, Finland going to a final, all that kind of stuff. But against the backdrop of the lockout that we knew was was coming, right? Everyone knew it was going to coming, and there was sort of a bittersweet feeling to it. And I don't know whether, because we're not all together, as you point out, um, and for good reason, obviously, I wonder if you feel the same kind of, geez, like, when when will we see this again? Because you have this feeling that of the unknown and the fact that it's, it may be later than sooner that we see hockey back again. I, do, you, do you see a parallel there? Or? I, I do think it's a really good parallel. And I was thinking about it while you were asking the question about my memories of that time. And, you know, I remember, um, you know, just as that tournament was going on, just ch- talking with people from the league and from the Players Association, and everybody warned me for a year. You know, everybody warned me. They said, you better be prepared for no hockey next season. And that's exactly what occurred. 
I, I think the more difficult thing about now is it's uncertain. Um, as the commissioner re, uh, restated, December 1st is pretty much a placeholder. And now I think, Scott, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, most of us are believing that it, it won't be December 1st. And that's just a pipe dream. Like, it's just not happening. And I've had people tell me January 1st. I've had people tell me January 15th. Um, I've had, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, I think that, you know, one of the questions I asked, the question I asked the commissioner during his media conference on Saturday, was there any chance that we might wait until the fall of 2021? And he kind of poo-pooed that, which I was glad to hear. But I think it's something that some owners have discussed until they know if they can have attendance. You know, the phrase I keep hearing is a path to attendance. And that's why I thought it was really interesting that the commissioner came out and said, you know, what if we start with zero and then we start increasing it, basically. And I do think that that is has been discussed as an option and a very serious option. And the fact that the commissioner basically without prompting brought it up tells me that we all better be prepared for it as an option. Um, but I think, Scott, the, the, di- the difference I feel between now and then is that, you know, back then I was pretty certain we were going to be without it for a year and I was preparing for that. I think the difficulty this time is the uncertainty of not knowing when it's going to be. And I don't know if anyone has a real answer. And I think your comparison's a really good one. That's the only difference I see. Yeah, no, and uh, Elliot, you're absolutely right. I mean, December 1st is, I mean, it's just not going to happen that way, I don't think. Uh, as you point out, no one knows for sure. But Dem- December 1st is looks to be a non-starter. And then it is a question of when and under what circumstances and, and all those things. And uh, it, it is... I mean, this. I, I guess I always look at it. Maybe I'm a glass half full kind of guy, and I it was full of skepticism about whether the NHL could get back and mount a playoff tournament, um, the likes of which we've seen beginning on August first. And, and so I, I, and I know that in talking to to people connected, well, people who will know, but they are forming a new players committee. There will essentially be a return to play committee part two or however you want to describe it. And so maybe there there should be some optimism that if there's a path to getting back to playing, we've already seen a form of a blueprint that says, any you know, let's not restrict ourselves on how we imagine it. And because both sides desperately need to have some sort of 2021 season, the, the, it's likely going to happen. We just don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if you feel that kind of optimism or, or whether you feel that might be misplaced. No, I, I think that's true. I, I think there will be a season. Uh, I just don't think we, we know how and, uh, and when. And, um, you, know, you know, the other thing too is, Scott, as we're recording this, um, I think there's a lot of COVID fatigue out there. Um, you know, I, I, you know I, I think I, I see... You know, more and more people who just seem to have the attitude that um, I have to live my life, um, and then uh, with that comes the backdrop of backdrop of John Liu's tweet this morning, his thread, Agreed. where he yep. where he talked about um, you know with the serious situation he went through. He had COVID. Uh, it led to a pulmonary embolism, and I think we're all very thankful that John is healthy and, and recovering. Um, 
and you know the fact is that John was he wasn't in the bubble but he was among other reporters and it's just a reminder of you know how everything can change in the blink of an eye and and you have to be vigilant and you know I think that's the thing we're kind of seeing out there is um, you know some people take it seriously some people don't Others take it seriously, but they're also saying, I, I have to live my life now. And I think that's the other thing uh, about it that it really, I don't know if I don't like is the right thing to say, but, you know, you, we all talk about you control what you can control, right? And that's the proper way to live your life. Well, there's so many things here that we don't control. Um, the speed of the vaccine, uh, the ability to have proper treatment how others see this point in their lives and how they deal with it. Um, there's so much about life that we don't control right now. And I know for me, it was a person that's like, and I'm not like a control freak, but I'm a big believer in that you control what you can control and you manage that to the best of your abilities. Um, that attitude doesn't get you very far right now because so much of it is not up to me and you. And uh, I think that's also going to affect the return of the sport. And, um, you know, I, I admit it, I find it very frustrating at times. Well, yeah, and we actually, we're going to actually talk about the Stanley Cup final. And uh, But I, I want before we take a break, I, I, I'm with you in the sense that you have to, you really do have to be patient, I think, on, on some levels. And that's been the hard thing about this, right? We're now six full months and counting uh, since the pause. It, it it has really tested so many people on so many levels. And, and, and the idea of having to wait and not knowing. And for me, the, the part that is, you know, I'm curious to see how this plays out for the National Hockey League because that's our little slice of life is because it's so different in so many different places. And so the reality in Canada, with a border that's now closed to people like me in the United States, your life is going to maybe different in the next four or five months in how you deal with the, the virus and then how that translates into a possible hockey season to, you know, what what's it like in New York State or in Texas or any of these other places. And to me, that's going to be the real challenge that is different for the from the return to play in the playoff system, which was very narrowly focused, is that now you're talking about, you know, 31 teams uh, spread across an entire continent. I, so that's the part of it that I, I find, you know, that you, you're just going to get your arms around a little bit and say it, it is going to take some time because it is so different than what we went through this summer. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And that's why I think a Canadian division is possible next year. That's why I think it'll be, um, they'll look into kind of like a one year, the possibility of a one year realignment um, where, you know, everybody is kind of regional and, you know, you play, you do it baseball style. Like for example, you know, let's just say Dallas goes to play Chicago. Do you play back to back? And then you take a night off and Dallas goes to St. Louis and they go back to back. Like, I wonder if that's going to be the way it works. Yeah. I, well, I, 
I think that's I think that's right in there. I talked to a couple of team presidents who, you know, they're spitballing all these things too. Okay, you know, to keep your travel down. And do you have all the teams who go into Chicago? They stay in the same hotel, so there's a protocol set up. You maybe identify a number of restaurants, or maybe you just have the teams eat in their team meal room the all the time they're on the road like these are like we've seen baseball sort of go through these you know the you know wasn't particularly well planned out probably to start with but seemed to have found a rhythm that way can the nhl learn from that and yeah I, I, it's it's just again it's a lot of we just have to keep our eyes open and say okay this is if this is what the players in the league believe is the best path forward and if they can do it safely then you know let's see if that works out yeah, I, I mean, like it's it's so funny, Scott. Like we're all you and I are talking here, like we know and we have no clue. <laughs> it's true. Oh, uh, you know, I, but I do think they're spitballing a lot of ideas, which is smart. And yep. you know, the other thing the commissioner pointed out on Saturday night, I do agree with, is that Vegas would have been a hub, and then they waited and they waited and they waited and they waited. And he just said, look, it worked out that the right thing to do was wait. And I, and I think that's what they will do. They will, they will spitball. They will come up with stuff. And they'll wait until the last possible minute to make their decision. And I think that's all you can really do. Like, I think the interesting thing will be, because it'll get out at some point, Scott, when do they start booking arenas? When do they start holding dates? And it's not like these arenas can really have a lot of events now to begin with, but you know it's going to get out that someone started to book arena dates for their teams. And that'll be one of the big tells. All right. Oh, wait. Don't go away. We're actually going to talk some hockey okay. now on ice hockey. So we're going to take a very brief break, and we'll come back and we'll talk Stanley Cup final. Every sports story that matters, that's the athletic way. And now you can join for just $1 or £1 a month. Get unlimited access to breaking news, in-depth stories, and expert analysis on what's sure to be one of the most enthralling seasons in sports history. We know this is a fact. The NHL playoffs almost completed in the Edmonton bubble. Stanley Cup final, Dallas, Tampa, a draft, October 6th and 7th, free agency a couple of days after that. You don't want to miss any of it. So subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash twomanadvantage, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash twomanadvantage Receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. We hope to see you there. So, Elliot, let us uh, it's been great. Uh, you know, to me, this is, you know, for a lot of teams, right? I mean, we've got 29 teams now who are already, you know, seven that started right, <laughs> right in the get-go, already looking ahead to next season and what that might look like in the draft and free agency. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I, I look at the final as a, that's a, 
that's a touchstone on on the schedule and it leads to other things and it's a moment in time and it's always it's always been exciting to be there to be there and i was even from afar was really intrigued to see what was going to happen in game 1 on saturday night um was impressed with dallas of course anton hudobin continues to be just a terrific story what are you looking forward to most going into game 2 Tonight, what's what's on your mind? What, what how do you unpack game one, and what what do you think about for game two tonight? Um, I think tonight, honestly, Scott, one of the biggest questions I have is: Does Steven Stamkos take the warm up and see if he can play? And do you think are you are you optimistic? I know that it's been interesting to listen to John Cooper and even Julian Breezewell, the GM. You know, as they were doing some media stuff leading up to the final and after game one, there's. There, there's a door that is open, at least a sliver, and we know that Stephen is skating and trying to get closer. How, I mean, how important is that? I mean, is it is it really an emotional, psychological thing, as opposed to well, what could he really bring to the table after, you know, basically, you know, six months or whatever it is since he played a meaningful game? What, what's your take on that? Well, I think it's hard. I mean, there's no question about that. I, I've seen a couple of different uh, situations like this. Like the one I really remember, Scott, is the 2006 Stanley Cup final between Edmonton and Carolina. And all through the playoffs, they told us that Eric Cole wasn't going to play. And then suddenly for game six in Edmonton, uh, he shows up and he plays. He'd suffered a neck injury. And he wasn't great in game six. But he played very well, and Carolina lost that game to force game seven. And then uh, he, he did what he played better in game seven, and they won the Stanley Cup. And one thing that Peter Laviolette said was we, we needed him to get one game so he could get his feet wet. He really played game six for game seven. And, you know, I've, I've heard players tell me that sometimes you come back that first time and you have that extra adrenaline. And then it really hits you and you're exhausted. Or maybe that first time you're, you feel like you're skating in cement, but you get through it and you feel better and you start to get better. Like, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer here, um, but I, I really do think that, um, I think Tampa, I think point, well, point we know is hurting. And I'm beginning to wonder if Kucherov is hurting too, because he also doesn't look right. And I could see him saying, I have to give it a shot. I, I really do. I, I could see. And the other thing, too, is, is if you look at the language, John Cooper has gone from don't ask me about it <laughs> yes. uh, to, well, we'll see. I was thinking about Stephen Stamkos and, and covering the uh, 2016 conference final against Pittsburgh. And Stamkos had been out. He had, I, I'm looking this up. You would think I remembered it off the top of my head, but thoracic outlet syndrome. So he'd missed time and missed the, I think he'd missed the whole playoffs. But um, he did come back for game seven in Pittsburgh. And it was, I mean, it was such a great story. He had really good chance late in the close game. I seem to remember him coming down the right side and blasting one uh, just wide or whatever. But it was, I, I just remember that moment as being like almost you're holding your breath to see what would happen. And I mean, maybe this is a, this is the same kind of thing. And I, I, I got to tell you, I have, it's just been, he's such a, 
such an honest and straightforward player. And there have been so many things that have happened to Steven Stamkos that have sort of prevented him from, you know, sort of these kinds of epic grand stage moments, whether it's been the Olympics or the cup final or whatever. I, I, I hope he gets a chance. That's that's maybe that's just my old sentimentality creeping in, but I hope he gets a shot at this. You know, I think the thing it, it, it I was thinking about this last night, Scott. Look at look at some of Stamkos's career. Like, talk about I don't know if it's bad luck. Um, you know, I, I don't know if someone's got a Stamkos voodoo doll out there that they uh, that they you know, keep poking or stuff like that. But, you know, I was thinking about it. He's got an Olympic gold medal and he didn't play. He broke his leg right before. And I thought it was a great gesture that Team Canada gave him a gold medal. And now the Lightning are competing for the Stanley Cup. And, you know, when this series began, there was the possibility he could get his name on the cup without playing in the Stanley Cup final. I mean, it's so strange i mean he's a guy who competes really hard um you know doesn't have a whiff of scandal tied to him um and you know you you think that good things should happen to good people right i mean it's it, it, he's been so unlucky um and it's been so unfortunate and you know like the other thing too is there was the kind of weird whole situation when he was an unrestricted free agent when all these teams like Toronto, Buffalo wanted to throw bags of money at him and Tampa held firm and said, if you want to come back, you're coming back for this number and that's it. And, you know, it, it's just, it, to me, it's such an odd, strange story and you definitely wish him better. Like you, you would think a guy who's put this much effort into it and does not is not tainted by any kind of scandal at all would have a better outcome. You know, I, I do feel for him. It makes I think that makes me and you and everyone else who feels the same way human. Like you think <laughs> that he deserves better. So uh, I, I'm going to let you go shortly, but, uh, you know, all through, you know, it's been, Tampa's been such a fascinating story all the way through this return to play, right? I mean, we know the baggage from a year ago and being swept by Columbus and then the drama of playing Columbus again. I wish that series had gone like 19 games. I could have watched it every day, Columbus, Tampa. And of course, knocking off the Bruins after losing game one, they win four straight you know, grind it out against the aisles and they're starting to wear down a bit. But I think there was this idea, Tampa, team of destiny, you know, that's, that's we in the media, we like to say those things. Yes, we do. We like but, narrative. <laughs> we like a narrative. But I wonder, if, if has Dallas stolen that narrative from underneath the Tampa Bay Lightning? Because, like, I watched them in game one, right, they give up, you know, whatever the, you know, was it 48 to three shot attempts in the third, whatever it was, but that Dallas team never seemed really in danger of losing control of game one. They really steamrolled a Vegas team that probably was better. Um, you know, Colorado, we know the injuries, all that kind of stuff, the fireworks offensively in that series, but here they are three wins away. And I wonder if there's some of, wait a minute, maybe this is the team of destiny in this final. I don't know. Are you buying any of that? I, I do buy some of it. I don't know if like, 
like they they have a chance, and I really appreciate this, Scott, to make me look very smart, um, <laughs> because I picked Dallas at the beginning of the year, and usually my predictions are terrible, and uh, I, I picked Dallas at the beginning of the year, and I you know I have a rule when you pick someone, you have to keep picking them uh, until they lose. So I kept on picking Dallas, even though I have to tell you I wasn't overly confident, and even if you remember. In the uh, in the round robin, they were they didn't look very good, and so you're sitting there and saying, no. "Okay, uh, this is my group here, but I'm not entirely confident about it." You know, you know Dallas as well as anyone else. You you worked in the organization. Um, you know, like you know, like if like Sagan isn't scoring, did you think nope. they could win without Sagan scoring? No, probably not. You know, Ben's not scoring a ton, but boy, he's a presence. Did you think that, you know, they could win without Ben scoring a ton? Probably not. Did you think that they could win? Like, to me, the most amazing thing about Kudobin is he's never played this much in his career. You know, I I went through his entire NHL career because going into the final, he made 19 starts in 40 days. And he's 34 (laughs) years old. He'd never done it before. Like, never. And, you know, I think you knew as much as anyone. They had good players, but the whole seemed less than the parts. And they figured it out at the right time. Their coach got let go this year under the craziest of circumstances. You know, who, who wins like this? I know. It's true. And, it, and it's... It's just been fascinating to watch, and maybe this is, you know, it's, a, it's the cliche that we always go back to, is that, you know, you can't win with one line or one player or whatever it is, and every, seemingly every night, it's something, you're like, oh, okay, like, Jamie, I, I just love the Jamie Oleksiak story. Right? Yes. And I was there. I was there when he was, he went to Pittsburgh, I and mean, basically Jim Noe had, there was no room for him. Uh, you know, they just didn't. Yeah, I you know, and I remember the start of training camp that year, so the seventeen eighteen season, and you know, Ken Hitchcock was thinking, okay, maybe Alexiak's in my top four. You know, you got Kling, Klingberg, and it, and then all of a sudden, he just there was no room for him, and he's gone to Pittsburgh, and and then he comes back because Jim Neal always loved Jamie Alexiak, and then there was room for him, and what a playoff he's had! Like he's, it's it's almost like when anyway again, maybe it's fate, destiny, maybe it's just the economics of the game, but. What a great story for Jamie Alexiak to come back and have the kind of playoff that he's having because it's off the charts. But who would have, to your point, who would have predicted that? I agree. Like, I completely agree. And, you know, I think with Alexiak, and we've all looked at this watching this, like, who is that guy? And and good on him. Um, this reminds me, Scott, that the most important thing, every time I look at Alexiak, I'm reminded. And, you know, the Raptors won the NBA championship this way last year. It's all about player development. Are you making your players better? Like you look at Alexiak and, you know, whether it's Bonus or whether it's John Stevens, those are the guys that generally have defensemen under their control. They made this guy better. Yep. They made this guy a lot better. And I really don't think you can win without good player development. All right. I've already taken too much of your time, but uh, it's okay. Yeah, no. I like talking to you. How's your yeah. uh, how's your how's your fantasy football team doing so far? Oh my god! Now now it is really time to go. <laughs> well, uh, I'm owing so too. I gotta tell you. So you know, you know, you know. I I went in all in last year, 
and I traded all my top picks and I had to auto draft this year because we, I had to work at the time the draft was on. And, um, like I put my roster on Instagram just so, and people were just ridiculing me. Like the abuse was torrential. And I actually have to say, you know, I'm Owen two, but I haven't been destroyed. Like I've been in it, but I need a lot of help. I, I, I'm not doing very well. Are you Owen two? Owen two. And oh, I gotta check another. the schedule. When do we play? <laughs> I know. Well, we we want to side bet, and I can. Uh, last week, uh, Steve Wino, of course, our our good friend, and the AP hockey writer was on the podcast one morning and I didn't mention it because Steve and I are now partners because Craig Custance was he's too busy I understand that and plus I t- do tend to overmanage and manage our team right out of the uh, out of contention but John Klingberg called me I, I feel like I'm dropping names here but in the middle of our draft John Klingberg called so Wino took over and so I, I'm prepared in his absence to blame him but we like we are so bad I stopped I don't even look now because by the end of the first half of the first game out of it so I it frees up my Sundays now because we're not any good you are you guys are the fighting Marv Levy's right (laughs) yes we are we don't play till week nine like we might both be (laughs) 0 and 8 (laughs) <laughs> I just wish it was like uh, real sports where there would be some benefit to going oh and whatever there twelve I don't even know how many <laughs> games there are so all right Elliot and you are indeed a national treasure because Jeff Demet wrote this here on my yeah, script. I, know. <laughs> I, I knew who it was I knew it I know but you should always check out uh, Elliot's terrific thirty one thoughts weekly column and podcast. Uh, with Jeff Merrick, another good friend. And, of course, watch Elliot on Hockey Night in Canada and follow Elliot on Twitter at H-N-I-C, Hockey Night in Canada. So Frege, H-N-I-C. Elliot, thanks for hanging out this morning. It's really, it's been a ton of fun. Could literally have done this for two hours. Well, it's great to chat with you too, Scotty. We don't see each other enough now. We don't see anyone enough now, but uh, yeah. all the best, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Honestly, I thought that would escape this podcast without being embarrassed about the ridiculous media hacks football pool. But uh, anyway, let's move on quickly from that. And uh, thank you to Elliot. That was a ton of fun. And he's right. We don't get to see each other nearly enough. Um, Other podcast information. You should check out Minnesota Wild GM Bill Guerin. Has anyone been as busy as the Minnesota GM uh, since the Wild were dispatched from the uh, play-in round? Um, I don't think so. Terrific, uh, terrific work and a lot of a lot of things happening with the Minnesota Wild. And he joins Mike Russo this week on Straight from the Source at The Athletic. You should check out our comment section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app and rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. If you aren't a subscriber to The Athletic, and who is not at this stage, really, you should subscribe now and say, go to theathletic.com slash Two Man Advantage, and you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. Every time I read that, I'm like, $1? Who who doesn't have a dollar to spend? Anyway, you should do that. And we'll be back tomorrow morning talk about game two of the stanley cup final and plan is mike rupp my old pal from windsor spitfire days uh and now of course the analyst with the nhl network stanley cup champion mike rupp will be joining us tomorrow morning so don't miss that and we'll uh, talk to you then